You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 49. We're talking to Rich Birch from Unseminary, and that's all I really need to say. It's awesome. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now, let's join your host, Seth Muse, who thinks nature is for the birds. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth. Glad that you're with me today. Got a couple of interesting, exciting things happening, in, in, and today's guest is one of them. I mean, Rich Birch from Unseminary is going to be with us talking about his new book, Church Growth Flywheel. Uh, it's a really great book, but two or three of the chapters in there have to do specifically with communications and how church communicators can assist and really impact church growth. And so it's a really interesting conversation about how we as church communication directors or, or volunteers, or if you're a pastor also does communications, just some insight to how social media communications, et cetera, and your connections team all kind of work together to bring people into your doors. And, and that's, that's a really interesting concept. So I'm excited about that, con- about, about that conversation. You can find the show notes for everything we talk about, including links to the book and some, a, a special, you know, free chapter of the book. Uh, you can find all that in our show notes here at sethmuse.com slash 49. So you can go check that out. Uh, something else I want to make you aware of um, just before we get, get f- further into the conversation, I'm starting a Facebook group based around this podcast. So what I hope it is, is a community that we can get together and talk about some of the things that we discuss on the podcast and that I'll be able to go live in Facebook uh, on Facebook live video and take questions and do other things with those that are interested in this podcast. So if you go to sethmuse.com slash group, you'll be directed to this Facebook group that you can join. And I would love for you to join me there. Be part of the conversation. Let me get to know you. I'd lo- Here, Here's the thing. I don't feel like I know those of you who are listening to this podcast and I want to know what you're going through. I want to know how I can help you. I want to know. So you can think of it as like a kind of a free coaching group if you want to, because I'll be involved in that group. I'll, I'll give you my opinion, but I know I have some listeners out there that are also really great at church communications that are, that are going to be a part of it as well. And so they'll be able to weigh in. So it's, it's going to be a great group to be part of a lot of fun in that group as well. Uh, so I hope that you go in and, and, and join me there. Sethmuse.com slash group will take you to the Facebook group and join up there. Let's get to the conversation with Rich Birch. I don't want to waste too much time here. I want to get to this conversation because it's brilliant. Rich is one of those guys that I started following when I first started in church communications. He's super influential in my life and what I've learned, and I know he can be in yours too. So here's my conversation with Rich Birch. Thanks for listening, guys. Well, hey, everybody, welcome back. And today I'm with a new new friend of mine, Rich Birch, who is coming to us from Unseminary, the Unseminary podcast. Rich, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Oh, oh, Seth, I am a fan of yours for sure. And I'm so happy to be here on the Seminary of Hard Knocks. I feel like they're like our podcasts are like brothers or cousins or something. So <laughs> I really appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, I actually do that too. You know, when I, when I first started this podcast, I started thinking, I want to talk about things that... Um, you don't learn in seminary. And I was like, right. that sounds familiar. Where have I heard that? And that's like <laughs> right. totally your thing. I was like, oh man, so okay. I got to say it a little different way. So it's the seminary of hard knocks and that's kind of how it evolved. But yeah, man, I appreciate that. I've, I've been a fan of yours for a while as well. 
And uh, so I'm excited to get to talk to you today about your book and some of the things that are going on. But why don't you give us a little bit of a snapshot of what you're into? Who are you? Yeah. So again, I'm so glad to be here. So yeah, I do have a, a blog and a podcast called On Seminary. The tagline is stuff uh, you wish they taught in seminary. And really, I would say my my passion in life is driven by the fact that 94% of all churches in uh, North America are losing ground against the growth of the communities they're in. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a funny industry that you and I have picked, if you can call it that. It's a funny industry that we've picked to work in, uh, where the vast majority of, of our um, brothers and sisters in churches are, are are actually shrinking um, or or not really progressing quickly against the communities they're in. And so I'm super passionate about that and love helping out. I've been kind of in the executive pastor seat uh, of a number of really three churches over an almost 20 year period. Um, you know, Liquid Church in New Jersey would be the most recent and then was at Connexus Church in uh, just north of Toronto with uh, some people might be familiar with Kerry Newhoff um, and then was out also um, in a church called The Meeting House in Toronto uh, as well. So I'm Canadian, so don't hold that against me, uh, but just so glad uh, to be here today. That gives you a bit of a snapshot. Yeah, I think everybody, if you haven't heard of Kerry Newhoff, you need to kind of wake up and and, and pay attention <laughs> a little bit because that dude's got one of the be- best, biggest leadership podcasts on um, on church leadership that's out there. He's just killing it right now. Yeah, Kerry's amazing. You know, he's such a kind soul and is so uh, generous and just loves to help people. And so it, it's fun. It's been fun to watch him, um, you know, kind of grow and have just, you know, so much influence, which is great. I'm super excited. He's got a new book coming out this fall. I'm really excited about that. Cool. I can't wait to see what that is, too, because I'm sure yeah. we're all going to eat that up as well. Yeah, but, exactly. But speaking of books, you've got one out now called Church Growth Flywheel, Five Practical Systems to Drive Growth at Your Church. Can you tell us a little bit about this book and kind of what it, what your heart is behind it? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, we, and I've been, uh, we have this podcast of interviewed over 200 church leaders and, you know, a number of years ago, I guess it was three years ago, the church, liquid church, the church I had the privilege of being a part of for years. Um, we ended up being flagged as one of the fastest growing churches in the country. And, um, you know, that really started a process for me where I said, you know, I wonder, you know, what is it that we're learning here? What is kind of the lessons that we can pull apart and ultimately apply, apply to other people. And really what church growth flywheel is, is not only lessons learned, you know, by myself, kind of on the front lines of a fast-growing church, uh, but also from you know 200 other churches and two other other interviews as we really tried to learn and pull apart. You know, I, I've said they're kind of cookies on the bottom shelf learning. Like I, I really wanted to make a resource that um, made it as kind of straightforward, as practical as possible uh, for all church leaders to say, "Hey, um, what could I apply to my church? How could I? Um, what could I do to help see my church grow?" And so have kind of boiled it down to these five systems that I saw, um, not only in our church, but in lots of other churches across the country. And so, um, that's really what it's, it's all about. Yeah. And it's, it, I've, I've got a copy of it, a little advanced copy. Thank you so much for sending that to me early. No, I've got no problem to at all. skim through some sections of it and read as much as I could. Uh, it's yeah. good stuff. It's such, it's so good stuff. So I'm going to link oh, to thanks. it in the show notes for everybody to, to be able to pre-order on Amazon. Cause it's out. Is it out now? It's out. This it is part. actually out right now. Yeah, yeah that's right. Because it the thirteenth came out, February thirteenth, yep. right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, awesome. So you, I'll link to that in for Amazon, so you guys can get it. Um, you know, in, in the book, uh, one of the, I just want to say first, I love the way that Canadians say resource. Oh, nice. As okay. a resource, <laughs> like it's a Z, like Brady does, Brady Shearer does that, Carrie does that, and I'm, and yeah. you just did it. And I was like, oh, I love the way they say it. <laughs> like, I want to adopt that That's and funny. go, I'm going to start saying resource. It sounds so nice. cool. But uh, <laughs> but I'm in Texas, so nobody would buy it. 
you know? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> nice. I love in You're the right. beginning of this book, you said something that struck me, like in the first real chapter of the book, mm-hmm. you said you wanted churches to be like McDonald's. And <laughs> right. I, first thing that caught me on that was like, I have a, a lot of people hate on McDonald's. Yes. I right. love McDonald's. <laughs> I love McDonald's. It's like, I want to go and get, I've even stopped getting like the double, double meat stuff. And I just get the regular <laughs> cheeseburgers, nice. but I get like three or four of them because nice. I just Pile want that. I want that same experience I had when I was a little kid of biting into that just regular cheeseburger over yep. and over and over until I'm full. That's what nice. I want at McDonald's. <laughs> I love it. And yeah, so I, during at the front end of the book, I do tell this story where you know I get a chance to talk to a lot of church leaders and do coaching, and and I kind of give away uh, something that I've I've done a lot with churches where let's say I'm you know with a group of a dozen church leaders, and I'll you know in the front end, you know when you first get together with someone, I'll say like, hey, why don't you tell me about you know tell me about your name and and tell me about kind of the best burger place when where you grew up, and you know all across the country, I've heard all kinds of different places. Whether you know there's this place close by me um, where um, you know where I grew up. Up just outside of Toronto, there's this place called Weber's. It's this little, you know, burger shop on the side of the road. It's on this highway that's kind of heading into uh, what they call cottage country or really lake lands. It's a place where people go, um, you know, in the summertime. And it's one of those burger places that they don't really sell anything, but just like you can have your burger or a cheeseburger and they only sell chocolate milkshakes. They don't sell vanilla. It's like <clears throat> very basic menu. Yeah. Uh, but people line up still to this day, um, you know, in heat of the day, they'll line up for, for a mediocre bur- burger. And you know, it's funny everywhere I've gone, um, people tell me stories like that about, you know, little burger places or like, um, you know, gourmet burger places, or they'll tell me about this really cool thing. But you know, the thing, the reason why I I say in the book, I I wanted to be like McDonald's is, you know, McDonald's still outsells every other burger company by a long shot. In fact, uh, stat that's, that that's in there is that actually uh, McDonald's could sell 50% less burgers and they still would be the dominant, uh, player, you know, in the world for, for selling burgers. And and that really is my bias. You know, the, the name of that chapter is introduction to my bias. My bias is that um, your church will be the kind of place that people line up to be to come and be a part of. And so I, I think, you know, in some ways, unfortunately, I think our churches can become obsessed with being kind of like that small burger shop shop that's like, you know, maybe it's like the little niche thing or it's like really cool and hip. It's got kind of artisanal burgers, um, you know, and, and instead of yeah. aiming for the middle of the market and say, how do we reach lots of people? How do we, um, you know, try to impact lots of people? And, you know, there's been some criticism of the book, which is okay. I knew that was going to happen. And, you know, the thing, I'm, it's not that I'm just interested in big churches, but I'm interested in big impact. I want to see churches make a difference. And so, um, you know, that kind of, that chapter is all about kind of setting up. I want people right from the beginning, before they get far in to realize that that's my bias. I'm hoping that their, you know, their church will make an impact, you know, in a big way. Yeah. I love what you said. I'm not interested in big churches. I'm interested in big impact. And yeah. I think I think a lot of churches are are there. They just don't understand what that really means. Would have to change about what the, what we do, and mm-hmm. and so it, when we start getting into the methodology of this, it's like, oh, okay, that totally makes sense why you would think that way, um, and how the book kind of lays things out. So I I love how you've laid it out. You said there's like five spokes of a of a growth flywheel. And there's a couple of those I want to really focus on because for this audience with church communications, there's a few really relevant um, chapters. One is on content marketing. And I I think that's becoming a really new phrase in the church world. Like we're getting okay with the word marketing and branding. (laughs) And now we're going content marketing. And I know everybody's going, oh my gosh, is this another thing I have to care about? What is that? So I have an idea what content marketing is, but I want to hear your explanation. What do you think a content marketing is for the church? 
churches and how does that help us? Yeah. So in, in the book, we talk about, um, you know, kind of under the broad category of social media. Um, and you know, it's, it's funny, obviously I wrote this book before, um, Facebook came out with its, you know, most recent algorithm change, which, um, which really isn't a a big change. It's not that different than what they've been saying, you know, over the last few years. Uh, but in there, I, I wanted to try to, um, really pull apart what I'm seeing in growing churches that they're, they're not using those channels, the kind of face, you know, Facebook or any social media channels. Um, they're not using those to just say, hey, come to church on Sunday. What they're trying to do is release content that ultimately spurs conversation, that is um, driving conversation online and ultimately is driving people to share those resources um, you know, with their friends. And so content marketing, from my perspective, is simply content that is designed for people to share online. And it's um, and, and I, I break out two different kinds of, of content. One is what I call remarkable content. And that, that's kind of like other in other contexts, they might call that um, like helpful or not, they may call it, sorry, not helpful. They would call it like viral content. This would be the kind of thing where like in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, there was, you know, those lights went off and the, um, you know, Oreo, they kind of jumped on it and they, uh, they, they put that, put out that, you know, little, you know, kind of ad that said, oh, you can still dunk in the dark. And, you know, that's funny and witty and got, it got reshared yeah. a whole bunch Brilliant. of times. Yeah. And it's a great move. The thing about remarkable content is it's almost impossible to, um, replicate. It's almost impossible because you, you basically have to hit the perfect moment with the perfect piece of creative, um, with the perfect copy. And, you know, it's gotta, gotta be delivered in, in kind of this nice and neat package. And that that's difficult for most churches to replicate. Now you can do that every once in a while. Uh, but it's, it's, it's difficult to do the other con what, when I talk about, you know, um, content marketing, the, the opposite a piece or the, another kind of way to think about content. I talk about helpful content, which I actually think is a lot easier for churches to get their head around. And what that is, is content that simply is trying to answer people's questions to be helpful for folks. And I give some examples in, you know, in there, there's, um, you know, a, a number of churches, you know, new spring church, which we you know, a lot of people probably will have been familiar with. If you look at what they've been doing online, um, they are doing a series and they've been doing this for quite a while. They've been doing a series of blog posts that are, um, focused on not just like, hey, come to church on Sunday. Uh, what they're doing is actually provide trying to provide helpful content around various issues. So it could be, you know, relationship content, could be parenting content, could be, um, you know, what does the Bible have to say about this kind of content, um, which, which again, is the kind of thing that a, a church can replicate. You can, you know, replicate uh, being helpful. The Meeting House, a church I talked about earlier, there, uh, Bruxy Cavey, who's their uh, lead pastor, he does a thing on YouTube called Bruxy's Bag of Questions. Now, he, yeah. um, so <laughs> That's BBQ. Awesome. Um, he uh, he does at the end of every message. And he's been doing this for 25 years. At the end of every message, he says, "Hey, does anyone have any questions about anything I said or left unsaid?" And so every message has an open form Q and A portion to it, which is pretty wild. That's cool. Hey, um, Tim Keller does that too. Yeah, a lot of people pretty, didn't know. Like he has ever just come to the front, hang out after. We'll do a Q and A. Yeah. Awesome. And so what? What Brux does is he actually does it open form with everybody looking at him while he's doing it. So pass out the microphones. What questions do you have? I'll answer them right now in front of you. So he's over years has really developed a, um, you know, an ability to, um, you know, answer questions. And so what they did was they they've been producing these kind of four to eight minute long question oriented videos that are, you know, they're highly uh, shareable and they're kind of you know, they're they're all written in a in a question format. And um, you know they've they've done about like I 
say about 90 of these. They're pushing, last time I checked, over 90, approaching 100,000 views on um, Facebook alone. They also are not on Facebook, on uh, YouTube, and they also release them on Facebook. And, you know, and it's it's stuff like, um, you know, each each one of them is like, you know, why, you know, why do Christians believe in, you know, that God has, is three in one? Or, um, you know, how can we love our enemies without being a doormat? Or why do Christians uh, love to fight about the details? Or, you know, should Christians avoid violent media? And it, it again, it's helpful content that then ultimately people will want to share with others. And we're seeing this not, and when you look at kind of fast growing churches, when you look at what they're doing online, when they're, when you look at how they're interacting with people, what they're doing is trying to go beyond just, you know, youth groups happening on Tuesday night. Um, you should come to that. What they're doing is yeah. generating content that ultimately people want to share with uh, with other folks that they'll ultimately want to push out uh, to you know to their neighbors, which then you know they, there becomes a virtuous loop there, as then those get that gets shared with other people, which ultimately drives people back to the church. Right. I think that's brilliant too to think think that way. And honestly, if a lot of churches would just look at their sermon and mm. build like each week, like here's what we're oh, talking absolutely. about, and then what could we put around that? Like what yeah, what else could we do? Could we do a quiz? Can we ask some questions? Can we do a Facebook live interview? I mean, what else could go with that, with all these tools that we have that would still reinforce what we already have talked about that would also encourage people to continue talking about it throughout the week? Because we all know that when we get up and we talk, I mean, what do they retain? Like 20% of it, maybe if they, if they took notes and decide to look at it later, you know? So it's like, it's like, how do we get people to have conversations about it? I think this is a great uh, way to think about it is that use Use what's already producing tons of content for you is your your weekend right. and, and repurpose. But then you can go so much further with that. Like, okay, well, what can we put around it with the content marketing piece? I think that's, Ab- that's great. Absolutely. You know, I, there's, uh, you know, another kind of type of content to be thinking about is what I, what we call what to expect content. You know, there are, um, you know, we have an opportunity on all of these channels to um, generate content that just helps first time guests under, try to understand what to expect. And so even if you just uh, produced, you know, take every weekend, you take, just take your phone and say, okay, I'm going to shoot a quick video on what to expect when you check your kids in, you know, at the, at the kids area or, you know, um, what to expect, you know, during a communion service where what happens when we do communion or, you know, what to expect about an upcoming Christmas Eve service or, you know, what to expect in the parking lot or, you know, and you'd be amazed at how much that content both gets viewed and gets shared. See, ultimately churches grow because people tell their friends uh, about, about church. Church. Now it's interesting. I, I, so far, I haven't had much crit- this criticism. I thought maybe people would, and, and you know, church marketing people maybe pick up on this nuance more than just your average kind of pastor. The whole book really is around getting your people to invite their friends. Um, there's actually very little. Con- there's very little in the entire book that talks about like you know how to run a great every door you know direct mail campaign or like how to run yeah. Facebook ads or any of that kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, what we're seeing is fast growing churches are, are, are all they've done is they figured out how to get people to talk to their friends about coming to church. And so, you know, social content, you know, developing content online, content, content marketing is, uh, is, a, is a great way to do that because it's these networks are just built uh, for people to share information on. Well, that's all they really are. It's just yeah. it's digital word of mouth. It's all social yes. media is. So getting people to share and talk about stuff with their friends, it's like, why is social media not part of your strategy for doing that like other things are? Like, yes. like, cause that's all social media is, is like, I want to talk to you about something I care about. I love my church. I think it's a great place. You should come with me. Getting yep. our people to talk about that is what is going to have more of a return on investment, if you will, to our social media strategies, to what we're doing, which, which is a great 
caveat into the, the ROI of social media. A lot of pastors, a lot of church leaders struggle to see that as ROI. Is that something that you're running into a lot? And just how do we talk about return on investment with social? Okay. So this, and again, I realize I'm preaching to the choir here when we're talking about church communications, but you know, this, this book, um, really in a lot of ways is a church communication book. And if you're a church communicator, you know, reading it today, a lot of what you're going to read here, you're probably just going to say amen to, um, but it's the kind of thing you give to your pastor and say like, Hey, we, I'd love to read this together because it's going to reinforce a lot of what you're doing already are, you know, social media specifically. So, you know, it's funny. I'm, so I'm mid forties leader. I'm like, I'm no longer a young leader, I'm, but I'm not really an old leader. I'm just kind of a leader. And, you know, one of the things, you know, when you look at how the landscape has changed is social is, um, again, I know I'm preaching the choir, social, the importance of social to our churches cannot be overstated. It it is so critically important. You know, when you look at um, church planters that are planting today, um, social media is core to their strategy for reaching people. It's, 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 it's at the very hub of, you know, the way they're making um, an impact. And so, excuse me, the, um, you know, so what's, what's the ROI? The ROI long-term is, um, you know, we really need to be thinking about it over, not just in the short term, how do we get people to show up this weekend, but over an extended period of time, how do we weave what we do into the digital lives of our people? How do we develop content and strategy that ultimately um, has people sharing on a regular basis around what, you know, their their online tool? You know, another way to say this is most of the communities of the people you're listening to, um, if you take just Facebook alone, most of the communities that we're, that we're serving into, somewhere around 60% of that community is on Facebook on a regular basis, say uh, once a day or once a week at least. Um, and, you know, if you're a pastor and six of the people in your community were doing something they were, and they were doing it every single week or every single day, you would want to be there. You would go and check it out Mm -hmm. because you'd want to know like, Hey, what's, what's happening in town? Well, that's, what's happening with, with these channels. That's, that's what's going on with, um, you know, social media. And so the, the reality of it is we've got to invest time, effort, and energy to be there. I, it's, I know too many pastors who are, they get all like high on, I don't know. It's like they get on a high horse or something and they're like, Oh, I don't need that in my life. I don't need to tell people what I had for dinner. And you're like, you're missing out. You're missing out on an opportunity to connect with people in your community. It's a little bit of like, get over yourself. And it's increasingly is becoming like someone saying like, oh, I don't have a cell phone because I don't want people to reach me. You're like, it just look like you look stupid. Like, you know, you got to, <laughs> you know, use these channels to connect with people, not only your own people in your, in your church, but then obviously ultimately people in your community as well. Yeah. I think, I think to say that, you know, you, you hit on something that's, that's pretty, pretty prevalent, I think is that nobody wants to see me do these things. Nobody wants to see my, right. what I have for dinner or what my dog looks like, or, you know, when we're going on a walk, they don't care. They really do. And, and, and it, yes. to, to go back into the ROI, it's like they want to see the pastor's life. They want to see behind the scenes. But the ROI, uh, I was I was just finished reading um, The Thank You Economy by Gary yeah. Vaynerchuk, which Great was book. written in 2009 or 10. Yep. And it was yep. it's still very relevant today. And mm-hmm. one of the things he said that stuck out to me just so strong was the ROI of social media is trusted relationships. Yep. Is how he puts it. He mm-hmm. said that whenever people get to know you online, It's Mm -hmm. a relationship that builds trust because they feel like they know a little bit more about you. Whereas Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a celebrity, right? Where you you think, you know, a celebrity, but you really don't. It's the same kind of thing. They, they really think they know a little bit about the pastor. So when pastor stands up on the, on the stage and says, here's what you ought to be doing, et cetera, et cetera. Here's how you should live your life. According to the word of God, you have a platform that's a little bit wider than 
because they feel like you're not just some guy with an educated mind that's paid to tell me these things. You're Pastor Phil, who has a dog that I know a little bit of that, that likes steak, you know, it's like, it's more of a friend telling me something rather than a stranger telling me something. Oh, totally. And and so it, it bridges that gap. And uh, you actually quoted Gary Vee, and it was about having playing the long game, the marathon mm-hmm. of the relationship mm-hmm. with people on social. And I think that's just a brilliant uh, connection for social media for churches because it's so natural for us anyway. Yeah. So I think, you know, any kind of communicator who is worth their salt today, um, they know that. Um, what is working is transparency and authenticity that, Absolutely. you know, at the, at the, at the end of the day, um, when a communicator gets up uh, and talks that you have to open up and be yourself. There was a time when actually audiences and people and culture were looking for the kind of disconnected, aloof, um, expert that day is gone. That's just not, that, that doesn't work anymore. Yeah, everybody's an expert now. We don't need any more of those. Yeah, we've got enough of that. We don't need any more of that. <laughs> but what people are looking for are, you know, people who are authentic, who it's working with. They're like, oh my goodness, like I see Jesus working in that person's life. Right. And so the way pastors and leaders need to leverage social media is a way to live their life in front of others. Um, and ultimately uh, that will, that'll just, that, that will provide a kind of virtuous loop that ultimately will reinforce, um, you know, the message that you're trying to live out on, you know, the weekend. And that's, that's, a that's aside from any other of the side benefits around using these as communication tools, using these as, you know, feedback loops, using these in preparation. Like there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of communicators are using these tools as a way, you know, to really accelerate their ability to serve their community. Um, you know, and so you're, you really are missing out again. I would imagine everybody who's yeah. listening, you know, here, I don't have to convince you of that. Uh, Probably. but you know, there, there are still, um, I'm, I'm amazed actually, you know, how many church leaders I run into who still, um, they look down their nose at, you know, all of these channels they, and they're like, I just, I want nothing to do with that. Um, and I, from my perspective, it's, they're missing a huge opportunity for the gospel. They're missing a huge opportunity to impact their community. Yeah. And I think it impacts church growth kind of indirectly. It's, it's like these with social media may not directly cause church growth, but it definitely will directly cause an environment to, to, to form where church church growth is more likely. And right. that that's how I see social fitting into that whole, um, the whole process of communication, like a strategy of communication is that if we're not doing some of these things on social, you're probably not going to see immediate results from these. But again, it's that creating this culture where growth can more naturally and easily take place for your people. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Our pastor's great. I know him. I've talked to him five minutes in my life, you know, but I know right. him because I'm following him on Instagram and I can see, I can tell you several things about him. And it's a perception deal that I think kind of greases the wheels, if mm-hmm. if I can use that, mm-hmm. to, to get people to go, yeah, I know my pastor. I know he's authentic. So I don't feel bad about inviting my friends into this. Absolutely. And you know? and we know the decision to come to church, you know, the decision for someone who's not attending your church today, um, you, you know, we know that, that that's a long process, that it's not typically just, you know, oh, I saw an invite card, therefore I will, I've come, you know, it, it usually takes multiple points of, yeah. um, you know, some sort of multiple, you know, invites, and then that connecting with something in my life that ultimately drives me to attend. And, you know, the great thing, the kind of drip, drip, drip nature of social media is it keeps that message out in front of people. It keeps that message in, you know, in a, um, you know, in a, in, in, 
in a, you know, in a mode that's not just like a buy now, you know, get connected, come join us this weekend. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and that, you know, I guess that does tie back ultimately to, you know, the social content, you know, the, you know, content marketing is how are we kind of being seen in the community as being helpful? How are we solving problems that people actually have? Um, and then ultimately using that as a bridge over time to, so people will know, like, and trust us. And, you know, really it's not until they trust us that they'll say, yeah, I'll actually show up on a Sunday. Yeah. Cause I mean, they can smell the cell. Right. I mean, everybody is oh, yeah. we're hit with so many marketing messages. We can just smell the sell from a mile away. Yes. So they know when you're selling them, when you're going buy now, come on, come on down, yes. get a new car. You know, they, they sure. sense it. And, yep. and that's a big turnoff because it goes against what they would view as authenticity. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think, um, I think that's a great caveat into another section of what, uh, the book is kind of covering, you know, that's, that's kind of an external communication deal. Social media mm-hmm. is the way that we can impact growth, but you talk a lot about internal communication, which I don't hear a lot about. I hear the problems of this in our, some of our groups and like what, it, what the lack of internal communication causes, but you actually talk about how internal communication can actually make a break, uh, the growth of a church, which typically is, you know, how are we talking as staff? How are we communicating things going on inside. So can you talk a little bit about internal communication and why some people still don't know what's going on, even if you're working super hard to put it everywhere? Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things, again, this book was tried, tried to kind of pull out lessons that I've seen from fast growing churches. And one of the things I noticed is, you know, fast growing churches are um, very good at ensuring that the right message is getting to the right person at the right time internally, um, that they've, um, you know, they take a lot of time to ensure that, um, you know, people know what's going on. They feel connected, um, that they, um, you know, that they, they don't kind of ignore that piece of the puzzle. And I think some of this is, is driven, um, you know, some of this just makes sense. There's a, a kind of a rule of thumb that I've run into that. It seems like, uh, you know, a lot of churches or, or growing churches, what you're seeing is 30% of your Sunday morning attendance is, or your weekend attendance, um, 30% of that attendance is, um, is serving on a regular basis. They're on some sort of team, uh, volunteering, you know, in, in some sort of ministry. And what you're seeing is actually fast growing churches are finding ways, <coughs> excuse me, are finding ways to get more people connected to volunteering on a regular basis. Um, and the only way that, um, cause in, in, and there seems to be that actually getting people connected to volunteering is actually a preceding, uh, growth factor. So you see as more people get connected, um, that's kind of a leading factor that kind of precedes growth in um, a church. And so how does all that have to do with internal communication? It would appear that um, being able to ensure that people have the kind of right level of um, you know, information and vision and, you know, clarity around why they should serve and actually the kind of call to action they've actually been able to serve and then get on to some sort of service team and then actually show up and make that happen. And all of that process, what that does is, and there's a lot that goes into that to make that great. Um, you know, it, all of that ultimately gets people talking more about their church, which in, in turn is what drives church growth. So what seems like a kind of close the back door conversation, I originally wasn't going to include all of this because it seems like a, it's more like a, it can be appear like a church health kind of thing. It can appear like, well, it's not just about reaching people. It's, you know, we've got to actually make sure that we get people to stick and stay. But actually, it, it, I, I think it is more fundamental than that, that actually getting people plugged in once they get connected to your church, not just showing up, but actually m- ro- moving them robustly through the process 
process to become, you know, kind of fully connected to the life of the church is core to the growth of the church because ultimately those people that are the most connected are those people who are the most kind of um, interested or most willing or most excited uh, to talk about the church. Yeah. The, to actually get out and make that happen. And so, and, you know, and, and in the, in the book I talk through, um, there's kind of, you know, a, a types of people who uh, will ultimately talk about the church and kind of, they're all a little bit different. Talk about raving returners, people who really will come up to, you know, anything, talk about sneezers. These are the people like they, you know, they're sneezers in that they spread the virus. They're anything that happens at the church, they just are willing to talk to it. Um, you know, and then, advocates, which are, you know, these would be a bit more formal. Maybe these are business leaders in your community who um, kind of advocate on behalf of the church. And all three of those types of internal, you know, insidery people need a bit of different communication. They need a kind of a bit of different, um, you know, handling when it comes to how we communicate. And um, and so, I, you know, I think it's important. And, and to be honest, and this is why I love, and I've, I, I said this on, uh, I was on a Facebook Live on the church communications group and um, with Adam, and I said to him the same thing. I, I think, Church communications people particularly, they need to see themselves not as like, I just want to make the next thing prettier or I want to get the right copy on this or or I want to make sure that we get, um, you know, we get the right, you know, right flyer out in front of folks. I think that we need to see you need to see yourself as a church communications professional, as a church growth hacker. You really are at the intersection of so many important processes that happen in a church yeah. to see the church grow, um, and really that's the seat you're in. You know, and 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 that my challenge to you is to not wake up on Monday morning after the weekend and think, okay, how do we get the fonts better for next weekend, or how do we make things look prettier? But really, how do we? What do we need to do this week to reach more people so next weekend there'll be more people at our church? And because really all the stuff we're doing in church communications is at the hub of uh, church growth. It's really at the very core of what it means to see a church uh, reach more people and make more impact. Right. And I think as you're talking about getting people plugged in, like that's that's such a huge thing for so many churches, like having an actual system of yep. how someone goes from being a visitor to uh, one of one of the one types of people that are raving. Uh, what you call them? Raving. Uh, raving returners. Returners that come back all the time. Yeah. Yeah, they come back and they they advocate for things and they're just involved in everything. So how do you get someone to move from that to that? And so is it a class? Is it like a, a onboarding type class? Is it email funnels? I mean, what are some of the things that you've seen work for some of the fast growing churches? Because I love that stat that a third of for a fast growing church, a third basically of your population are going to be involved in serving somehow. So healthy churches, that's kind of a metric to look for in like, do we have a third of our people serving or volunteering somewhere in our church? And so if you don't, this is super important to get the church growing. It's like they have to get help push that number up, push people into serving. So how do we get people there? What are some things you've seen to get them into that? So there is a kind of there seems to be an industry standard that's happening across um, fast growing churches. And, you know, what it looks like and it's amazing. It's one of those things. Again, people who are listening and will have heard of these things. This is not necessarily rocket science, but it's it's amazing how um, for for many churches, they still are not doing some of these what I would see as fundamentals. So when a first time guest arrives or someone who we we over years, we actually switched the language from first time to new here. We wanted people to self-identify themselves as being new. 
um, when they arrive, the simple exchange of we want to give you a gift in exchange for your contact information um, is the beginning of the connection process. If we if we don't know who people are, if people aren't self-identifying, it's very difficult to get them plugged into anything. It's very difficult yeah. to see them, you know, make those steps. But, you know, and, and I know a lot of churches do some sort of new here gift, uh, but a lot don't still, which is amazing to me. Um, you know, and so at our church at Liquid, we switched from and getting getting the gift right and getting the process that happens there right um, is this is an area where church communications people, I think, can really hone down on, hey, how do we maximize the conversion ratio there? How do we ensure we're getting a high number of responses and that we're capturing the data that we need from those? As an example, we we went, um, you know, when we looked at our growth, we were like, uh, you know, a, a rule of thumb is that you should be getting as many, um, if you look at your average attendance for a year, you should have the same number of uh, first-time guests coming in a year. And so if you're a church of 500 people, then you would say, okay, over a year, we should be averaging about 500 guests. So that means every weekend you should be having about 10 guests come to your church. Now, if you're not, if you're, if you're underperforming on that, if you have less than that, one of the problems could be, you're just not actually capturing enough data on your first time guests. You're not, you're not actually, and a part of that could be getting this process right. So we, one of the things we found at our church is we were underperforming on that. It was like, this doesn't make sense. Like we're, you know, we were, we were, we were a church of about 2000 and we were averaging around 700, um, first time guests that would come through. Now our gift that we were offering was a chocolate bar in a bag with some flyers about the church. Yeah, that takes that. Yeah. And you know, but it's interesting because it it, it's, yeah, I'll take a chocolate bar. And it's funny because the finance people were always like, I'm pretty sure that the junior highs just come and steal those, uh, you know, which was always kind of funny, but, um, but you know, one, one of the things we realized was like, it's not, it's not the junior high, it's the youth pastors. Yeah, exactly. And the worship pastors, you know, one of my, one of our convictions was, I think there's more, there's, I think there are more first time guests coming, but we're just not capturing that data well. So actually what we did and what we changed was we said, you know, the chocolate ball are chocolate bar, although it is good, um, we want something of even higher value. And so we switched from uh, chocolate bars to t-shirts, which is a significant increase in cost. Um, but I also, uh, a, a significant increase in perceived value, you know, it's like, wow, they're, they're giving away a free t-shirt. That's amazing. At the same time, we worked harder on the exchange of that information. So, um, Hey, we're going to give you this t-shirt. Um, but we really want in exchange for that. We want your contact information. We did it in a kind of, that's a whole other conversation we can have did it in a kind way and didn't, you know, we weren't like being pushy about it, but yeah. did it in a way that helped people give that. And we saw in the, the year we switched. So, we, the year before we had about, like I say, about 700. And then we, the year we switched, we ended up with 3,500 contacts, um, oh off of t-shirts. Now, the great thing about that was we got 3,500 contacts of like actual people's contact information, which is, you know, a treasure trove of kind of beginning contact, right? Really anything you do from there, you're going to, you're going to see your church grow because now we've got contact information from them. You can do, like you say, you know, follow up funnels, email funnels, classes, all that kind of stuff. Now, the other piece of it is obviously the cost went up significantly from, you know, 700 chocolate bars to 3,500 t-shirts, you know, the budget people weren't super happy, but, right. um, what it did was it motivated us to ensure that, that we're handling that data well, and then using that to then get people connected. Now, a lot of churches, what we're seeing again, which is somewhat of an industry standard is across these fast growing churches is some sort of monthly 
class connection thing. Um, you know, High, Church of the Highlands has kind of been, um, you know, leading the four on this with what they call growth track, um, which yeah. is a, you know, a, a regular connection. There's something about not waiting every, every quarter or twice a year. There's something about starting monthly or even weekly um, that you're getting people plugged into. The idea is, hey, people are new here. Then we kind of plug them into, um, you know, a, a regular connection, and, you know, in a smaller group, uh, which not only introduces them to the church, typically introduces them to the beliefs of the church and then begins to ask the question, hey, how can we get you plugged in? How do we, um, you know, help you see, you know, help you find a place in our church, um, which, as we know, is is critically important. So, you know, what you're seeing across a lot of these churches is some version of that. You're seeing, yeah. you know, a, a kind of robust front end connection. You know, Elevation Church would be another example. Um, they do a really good job. They have two tents at after all of their environments. So literally like a tent out in the parking lot, an orange tent and a black tent. One tent is for if you'd like if you're new here and you'd like to get a, a free T-shirt, get a gift that, you know, to get connected. And then the other one is you'd like to take a next step, baptize, get into a group, that sort of thing. And, you know, they just come back to that language time and time again. Um, you know, again, how do we make it? And this is an area where I think church communications people can really help. How do we just remove the distractions? How do we make it easier? How do we, you know, point people towards it, make it simpler, you know, bigger signage, easier to see, easier to understand the process uh, to move people ultimately to get more connected. Yeah, I love it. I love all that. That's that's exactly what I was hoping you'd say. Uh, there's mm-hmm. so many different things that people can do. And that obviously you have to work with when whatever works within your context. That's the, yep. like how how often do we offer that class? When do we offer that class? Do we even do one? You know, et cetera, yep. et cetera. So I love that. I think that's a great way to get people moving from outside in to where we can then go inside out again. Um, and, and so I, I love this book, man. I think this is going to be so helpful for so many people. Um, tell us where we can connect with you and kind of where we can follow along with some of the other content that you're putting out that helps train church leaders in, in several different areas, communications, leadership, et cetera. Well, Seth, I'm just, I've been honored to be here today. I really love what you're doing. Love, you know, you help so many church leaders and just honored to, you know, just take a few minutes with you today. I'd love to, for people to go to churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash Seth. Uh, and there you can actually uh, pick up a, a free copy of the first chapter. So people, you don't have to buy it or anything. They can just go there and download the first chapter and check it out, see if they like it. Um, you can also, that also sends you a link to, you know, the actual Amazon page and all that if you're interested in buying. But really, you can go over there again. That's churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash forward slash Seth, uh, to, uh, you know, get that first chapter uh, for free. You can also go over to unseminary. We do, um, a weekly podcast and some other, uh, fun stuff there. Uh, you know, if people are interested in, in connecting there, I would love to help. And, you know, if people have read the book, I'd love to, you know, hear what you think, you know, give me some feedback. You'll find my email. And actually, if you look closely, you can find my phone number in the book and, um, you know, give me, give me your feedback. I'd love to hear, um, you know, what, what you're thinking, what you're learning. I'd love to hear what's going on in your church. One of the things I love doing, although today, I've given some examples of churches that people have probably heard about. One of the things, the book is filled with all kinds of examples from churches that you've never heard of. And I love doing that. Awesome. I love highlighting churches that aren't kind of the top five that we all think about every time, all the time. Um, and I've tried to give lots of practical examples because there are a lot of, there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. And so I want to help uh, give churches lots of examples on how to do that. That's great. Thank you so much, Rich. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. Uh, it's awesome. And uh, you guys go get that. I'll, I'll put all those links in our show notes so you can go there and get all the links to get the book, to get the first chapter, to find Rich and all the other stuff that we have going on. So thank you, Rich, so much. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Seth. All right, guys. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. Uh, this has been the Seminary of Hard Knocks. I'm Seth. That was Rich. We'll see you later. Hey.